Good morning, men. It's good to have you here with us this morning. Uh, good group this morning. Everybody seems to be hitting the routine pretty well since we started back up a couple of weeks ago. And I'm so glad you're here. And as we jump in this morning, uh, I've got a lot to cover. Last week, I talked about anxiety. And today, I'm going to talk about a little bit of a cure for anxiety. Now, uh, when I say this, just know that I'll probably be talking on this, speaking on this topic maybe a couple more times in the near future. I'm doing some writing right now on anxiety with all the stuff going on, all the commotion going on, all the noise going on uh, here in our country. And so really praying over that, trying to see how we're supposed to address that as Christians. I shouldn't say even how we're supposed to, how we are addressing it and other ways of addressing that chaos and and uh, stuff that's happening in our country because the church needs to rise up if ever a time since I've been alive, the church needs to rise up right now. Um, God is calling us to action. God, God is calling us not to be the ones who are so anxious, not the ones who are so nervous, not the ones who are so uh, chaotic ourselves, but to be a voice of reason and an unreasonable um, noise and voice that's out there today. So uh, today I'm going to be speaking about that, and there's a way that we confront anything and everything that we do, and it really uh, deals with our prayer lives. And so one of the ways that we combat anxiety, last week I talked about some things in my own life that give anxiety, right? Now, I talked about having things that are drafted out of my account that I don't even know what they are. Uh, and I gave you all some examples like uh, PDC Outfitters. Sounds like a good thing. Um, Sounds like some hunting's going to take place. Uh, PayPal, Foco, PayPal, Synovus, Rock and Zebra. I ran all that stuff by y'all last week. I ran it by my wife last week as well. Uh, she didn't know either. So we're putting a stop to some of that stuff. Where does this thing, where does this uh, stuff come from, right? But it creates anxiety in me not to know where things are going, not to know where money's being spent. Spent. It creates anxiety in me when too much money is spent in certain areas and directions in our own lives. Uh, I talked to you last week about how um, I, it's no longer uh, just me. Of course, it's my wife and four others. And so you take on that responsibility and that type of responsibility can create anxiety. And so last week was a, a fun message. As a matter of fact, I've had a, a little bit of communication with some of y'all about the anxiety that we're currently experiencing. And if you continue to watch the news, you know that anxiety is building across this country and really across the world, because when America is unstable, the world loses its stability as well. And you guys got to pay attention. So if Satan had a strategy, who would he take out? Well, he can't get Israel. <laughs> so who's next in line? And, and really those who, uh, and so we provide stability for, for the world. So the nonsense that's going on, I mean, you can erase history, but you can't change history just because you chose to erase it. Let me say that. And so, uh, here's what we do. We as the church, uh, we've got some terrible things in our history as well, but we haven't erased it. We learn from it. We grow from it. We develop from it and we move forward with our, our current situation. And we move forward, most importantly, with, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ hearing his voice, listening to his voice and being the voice of reason. So when I talk about, uh, anxiety today, I'm going to talk a little more about the cure for anxiety in our life. You know, uh, I once heard, give a man a fish and you will feed him for a day, but watch this. I'm going to change it. All right. Give a man religion and you will watch him starve to death as he prays. All right. Um, and, and what, and, and you're going to see how that unpacks as we move on. All right. Are we trying to get God to move when we pray? So today I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about attempting to get God to move on your behalf as we pray. 
What does that look like? How does that work? How do we unpack that? Well, one of the things that we should know that the cure for anxiety will happen with depending upon our communication with our Lord and Savior. So through prayer. So as we pray, it should, it shouldn't increase our anxiety. It should be a form of releasing our anxiety. And as we release our anxiety, look, we're releasing the power of God into our lives and into the lives of others. And so there's a great release that goes on with our anxiety when we pray. All right. And that's why I said, give a man religion and you will watch him starve to death as he prays. Because so many times, um, we are taught, we are told, we are, we are, uh, demonstrating, we are being modeled to how to pray. And what God is looking for is that relationship with Him as we pray. All right. And so, uh, are we trying to talk God into something when we pray? That's another question that I'm going to answer this morning. Does God finally answer our prayers if we bother Him enough? Persistence has something to do with prayers. Is that what God is looking for from us? Do we earn answers to our prayers through our hard work and diligence? Many of us probably probably believe that if we pray enough, then God will do something on our behalf. We're looking for God to do something on our behalf, on our behalf, or on the behalfs of others, right? So, if you believe that, here's the problem: if you think you pray enough about something, and that prayer doesn't get answered, or the way you think it should be answered, right? Then it leaves an open door to do what? To get angry with your God. And it's just, have you ever been angry with God? God, you didn't answer that prayer. God, I prayed and prayed and prayed for that person. This has happened to me as a pastor many times. I've prayed and prayed and prayed for the same person over and over and over and over, and they died anyway. You ever have that happen? Um, it didn't quite go the way that you, that you anticipated or that you expected or that you hoped for. All right, so what I'm going to show you today will help you understand what prayer actually does and why it's important in our everyday life, all right? So it's up to us to pray. That's not, that's not a, uh, uh, in Scripture, prayer is not optional. The Lord Jesus said, but when you pray, pray then this way. All right, God has deposited, the first thing we have to understand about prayer is that God has deposited His prayer or His power in us through prayer. God has deposited His power in us through prayer. Look, if we are not in communion with our Heavenly Father, how much power do we have in our flesh? I've got power to get angry. I've got power to be anxious. I've got power to to uh, do some things that are not of God or not with God. But honestly, outside of communication with God, how much power do we possess? God is looking to deposit His power in us. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49 I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So here in Luke's gospel, what we're seeing is that Jesus is saying there is a power that's going to come upon us, and that power is is through whom? God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1-8, I've preached and taught on this scripture many times, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And remember those just go in sequence. So you got Jerusalem that's right here locally. You've got your sphere of influence. That's your Jerusalem. Your Judea is a little further out. That ring, that concentric ring that's a little bit further out. Right, you got Judea, you got Samaria that's a little bit further away, and then you got the very ends of the earth. That's how powerful it is when he makes this deposit of the Holy Spirit within us. So according to Romans 8, we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, and that power is this Holy Spirit that is within us. 
So before we look at the next verse, how many of you know this verse? I'm going to say a verse and I want you to finish it. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? That's right. Within us. You guys have read your Bibles. Or at least you've read that, right? That's Ephesians 3.20. So here's the thing. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So this power of the Holy Spirit is working within us, and we find something out in the book of Romans, that that power that's working in us teaches us what? Teaches us to pray. Remember the Scripture says we do not know how to pray except for the Holy Spirit himself within us, Right? And so this Holy Spirit is teaching us how to stay in communication with our Heavenly Father. So, and it looks as though it is looking to do all kinds of things through us. So since God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, then why doesn't He? There's your question. If God is able to do all these things above even more than what we can think, why doesn't God do that? there's a couple of answers to that. One is, oftentimes he does. Oftentimes when you're thinking about it, you may not realize that you're praying about it, especially if you're thinking of how God would intervene in this situation. That's a form of prayer, but let's keep moving. All right, I just hit you with a hard question. Why doesn't he? Because it's according to the power that works within us. So let me say it this way. The power that works within us is what creates in us the ability to have a strong relationship with Him. So this power of the Holy Spirit, when He comes upon us, then He has an expectation that we would stir that Spirit up within us. So when we see things that are in chaos, we know it's not in, of God. I said this Sunday, Genesis 1, it's a, it's a great example. Genesis chapter 1, chaos and void was, was over the surface of the waters. And what did God do to that? He spoke into it. God's Word and the Holy Spirit is powerful in you when it gets stirred up. And we should see those areas and be able to speak in through prayer and have that connection with Him. Right? So, it's according to the power that works within us. This is key to understanding prayer. God is able, but we have a part to play. We have a part to play in this according to the measure or the distribution of the Holy Spirit that's within us. God is able to do everything to the measure that we release His power on this earth. How much of God's exceedingly abundant power are you distributing out through your prayers? So there's a question for us, men. How much, how much of God's exceedingly abundant power are you distributing out through your prayers? <laughs> Maybe we should. This is... Let me, let me give you the church answer, or let me give you the church way of asking that question. How much are you willing to pray? But I like to use the word power because this is what he tells us, the power that works within us. So how much do we distribute that among this earth? Jeremiah 27, 5. It's, I, I tell you what, I've been reading Jeremiah. It's, Jeremiah's bugging me right now, man. Uh, it's just bugging me. Right, it's just lamentations. I'm frustrated with Jeremiah anyway uh, over some of the things that he said, but let's just keep going. That's my own personal struggles. Jeremiah 27, 5. I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are on the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm, I have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. 
So the Lord is saying here that I have given the beast of the earth and everything to whom it seemed proper to me. Uh, if you read in commentaries, Charles Spurgeon, he, he says this, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. Prayer moves the arm that moves the world. I remember debating that at, at Duke one time. Anyway, let's keep going. God has decided to cooperate with us. He decided to give the earth dominion to us. So I just want you to see that. that's what I'm trying to pull out of Jeremiah here is that um, the man and the beast that are on the ground by my great power, by my outstretched arm, I have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. Jesus, you remember, has, or, or the Lord has given us dominion over the earth. It's what he gave to mankind in Genesis. But we must release it, release this power through prayer. So that'd be my second point this morning. Release, learn to release God's power through prayer. John 7, 37 through 39. This is Jesus. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now I use this scripture two, three weeks ago, right? Because I've been preaching on the hole in the water on Sunday morning. So I use this scripture. But stay with me. Now, I didn't have time that Sunday to unpack this scripture. You're going to love this, so stay with me. But this is he who spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. All right, Jesus is saying that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, out of you will flow rivers of the living water through the power of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now, let me give you some background. This feast that, that Jesus is participating in, this, this feast of living water, if you will, it was seven days and the Jewish people would pray for the living waters to come through them from the heavens. They would quote Zechariah 14, 8. I love to preach Zechariah chapter 14. You can go and look that up later. But uh, this beautiful vision here. But that's what they basically were doing at this time. They would go through Zechariah's passages of scriptures, and uh, they would look for Jerusalem to, to be filled and to flow with these rivers of living water. They would take some of the water, and they would pour it on a rock to symbolize the living water from God that came out of the rock when Moses spoke to it, and they would pray for this living water. And on the eighth day, they would pray for rain. And there was supposed to be an expectation that it would rain, that rain would fall from the heavens on this day. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for rain, but there was something wrong with them praying for rain. Now, let me say that again, because we need what? Y'all, we need rain. Well, y'all know how hot it is outside? I'm a pastor, and I know how hot it is out there. I'm in the basement here. It's the coldest place in the entire building. Now, I don't want you to be jealous. Not everybody could be a pastor, but you ought to pray to be one right now because it's hot out there and it's dry, right? And honestly, I'm, I'm getting a lot more exposure out there than what I'm used to. Uh, I was exposed this morning at, at uh, well, I wasn't exposed, all right? I kind of was. I almost embarrassed my son. They had the prom last night at my house uh, out in the barn and uh, got up this morning at 2.30 to go out there and clean it all up. And I didn't realize two of them were still out there. So daddy shows up in his drawers, you know, and his T-shirt on. Anyway, uh, let's keep going. It's hot. It was hot at 2.30 this morning, fellas. Um, 
But here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with them praying for rain, but there is something wrong with them. With, there's nothing wrong for praying for rain, but there was something wrong with them praying for rain. So let's talk about what the problem was. Here's why. It was a religious tradition that they did every year but they didn't really believe they were going to get the living water. So on the eighth day, they prayed for the regular water instead. They just served regular water. It was a tremendous statement of unbelief among the Jewish people. This is why I started out with a quote that I started out with this morning. Give a man a fish and you will feed him for a day. Give a man religion and you will watch him starve to death as he prays. They were, they were celebrating this feast. This was a party. Seven days, men. And this is one of the feasts. And, and as they had this feast together, it was the feast of the living waters, but they didn't really expect to release the rain. See, and he's the water. And this is the cool thing because they'd go back to Moses and of course Moses slapping the rock and, and all what would happen there. But who is the living water? Jesus. So Jesus was the rock and Jesus was the pool of water that they were celebrating. So this is why Jesus could could stand up and he would say, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and I will give him what? Living waters. I will give him power among his people. And so let's keep going. He's the water that came out, out of the rock. He's the rock. And Jesus is saying, if you come to me, I'll deposit the living water inside of you, and you can release the power of God that I'm going to deposit within you. So how much of the living water of God do you want to release? Is it possible that prayer is not trying to get God to move, but trying to get you to move so that living water can be released upon this earth? Is Jesus ever going to die on the cross again, men? Absolutely not. So when Jesus was on the cross, he said these words. He said, it is finished. That word to in the Greek, which means you cannot add to it and you cannot take away. Now, scholars believe that that is uh, of course, a covenant, so to speak, the new covenant. And in that new covenant, <clears throat> you cannot add and you can't take away. That's why Jesus said those words. But here's the thing. Jesus is not going to die on the cross again because he has fulfilled, fulfilled the law and the prophets, right? The old and the new. Jesus has fulfilled that. So that means that his part, his part, he's done. Now, it's not to say, don't, don't let that scare you. <laughs> Does that mean Jesus isn't going to come back on a white horse and save me and I'm going to be raptured out before this tribulation hits? And I'll first talk to me about that if I'm pre, mid, or post <laughs> trip. That's a whole nother. I'll chase that rabbit. I got to be careful this morning, right? But let me say this. Is Jesus going to die on the cross again? Absolutely not. Then his part then in many ways is done. When he said it is finished, it's finished. All right. So how come not everyone is saved? Because we have a part now, men. <laughs> we have a part now. And the good news is that we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to do that part, which means this, that prayer has legs. Let me say it this way. Prayer moves the arm, right? That transforms the world. And this is what we know about that, that, that prayer is not always just speaking the word of God. Prayer is doing the word of God. And, and, and when I say that, there's going to be people that have a rebuttal and I completely understand that. Well, you're trying to do, do works. And I said, I'm not saved through my works. Jesus has already done what he's going to do and check it out. 
I believe in that, so I'm saved. That doesn't mean it's over for me. I, 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 just stay with, watch what happens. You know what? Frederick Douglass. Some of you know who Frederick Douglass was, a famous slave who learned to read um, back in uh, back in slavery days. And and uh, one of the things that Frederick Douglass he he said this quote. He said, uh, "I prayed for twenty years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs." That boy ran. <laughs> he got out of there, right? And so this is this is kind of how how the Holy Spirit empowers us to do our part now. So my third and final point this morning is we must pray for heaven to come to earth. We've got to pray for heaven to come to earth. Ephesians 1.3 says it this way, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, every spiritual blessing, men, is found where? I just read it. Okay, I know it's early. Did we have, We've even got coffee this morning, men. Let me read this again, because when you get this, it's going to change your prayer life. This is transformational right here. Watch. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly places in Christ. So I want you to see every spiritual blessing is in the heavenly places with who? With Christ. Okay. We got, we got blessings up here, men. We got blessings. Spiritual blessings. Now watch. Um, how many spiritual blessings have we been blessed with? Well, the scripture says every spiritual blessing. Every one. All right. Where are they? They are in heaven. So how do we need to pray? Well, in Luke chapter 11, you know this scripture. The apostles show up to Jesus and they say, uh, or come to Jesus, and they say, teach us, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, and when you pray, pray then this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, where all the spiritual blessings are, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So we should pray heaven what? to earth, because every spiritual blessing, men, that's where it resides. You know what would be a terrible thing is for us to show up in heaven, and I think in some ways this may happen, right? Not in the form of a bad judgment, but in the form of a father who says, I had all of these things for you, and you never prayed them. You never unwrapped this gift. I, I say this sometimes, it's like uh, here in the ceiling, we have these ceiling tiles. Right, all through this ceiling. And if you could imagine, behind each one of those tiles is a spiritual blessing. James tells us we do not have because we do not what? Ask. We haven't asked for it. But in order to ask for it, sometimes we need to see it. We need to be able to see. And this is why it takes relationship over religion. Because when we're in relationship with our Father, a lot of times our Father will say, I have something for you. Matter of fact, Jesus tells a little story about that, right? I got something for you. And when we're in communication, you know what we'll say? Lord, would you show it to me? Lord, you have this blessing. You have this healing for someone else. You have this, uh, your kingdom could, could come in and, and, and literally change the atmosphere 
of not just my life, but of my marriage, of my children's lives. You could change the atmosphere of of uh, this chaos that we're seeing throughout our country today. You do not have because you do not ask, but I've got these spiritual blessings. And and somebody just said the question, how many? <laughs> Looks to me like it's pretty unlimited. We're talking about heaven here. I, 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 our resources are limited. I don't believe that God's resources are limited here, men. But oftentimes we don't see it that way. And so what do we do or what do we not do? We don't pray, right? Because we don't believe it makes a difference. If you don't believe prayer makes a difference, then you won't pray. And oftentimes we don't believe that God is really calling us to a, to a certain individual or to certain people groups or something like that. Then, then what will happen is, is we become self-centered, we become self-focused, and we will not release the power of God upon this earth. And so the spirit that has empowered us is never stirred. He's just there. You see, it's not up to God to move, men. It's up to us to pray. It's up to us to release the power of God that is in us. And when that happens, our anxiety level will begin to come down because we will see a difference. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that heaven comes to earth. Heaven gets released on the earth through us. Heaven is the living water that flows out from us. And prayer is the vehicle that brings heaven to earth, men. Prayer is the vehicle that brings heaven to earth. And so, so oftentimes, uh, have you ever just prayed for someone in your spirit as you're talking to them? There's a lot of times I, I really don't have the words to say. I'm caught up in so many people's problems all the time as a pastor, and you guys probably are too. And so I'm sitting there going, you know what? I'm out of words. <laughs> So Lord, give me a word. A word where your, where your heavens can come to this earth and minister to this family in their time of need. But if we don't ask, we don't have. And if we're not willing to unlock, it, you know, in some ways prayer is that key that unlocks these panels to, to drop his blessing, to drop his gifts upon us in order to minister throughout this world to minister throughout this country. So, man, I want to encourage you, if you've got anxiety, go to your knees and pray. If you continue to get anxiety, how about this? You use your legs and go find ministry because God has a world that needs you this very day, this very moment, this very hour. Man, it's good to be with you this morning. Y'all have questions there on your tables. There'll be some, there is also a chat room you're welcome to log into from our website. Go to that if you're, if you're with us this morning online. Thank y'all for being with us this morning.